All right, so you know, when it comes to uh, the Yontav of Shuas, so, you know, it, 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 the Yontav itself is really just the Yontav that's celebrating Yiddishkeit. So it's a little bit open-ended in terms of what we could talk about preparing for Shuas, you know? So sometimes when it's so open-ended, it's easier. Sometimes it's harder. So let's talk about Yiddishkeit. Talk about Yiddishkeit. So, you know, there's a, there's a principle that um, it's already found in the Zara Kaddish and Chaim Vital in a couple of places references it and uses it. Uh, we'll talk about it. The truth is probably talk about it uh, a little bit more in depth in so much this night. But the Zara Kaddish writes that every single halacha that you'll find in Shas, Shnayas, and so on, it's although it's obviously based on logic and based on rules and systems in place in halacha, but it's also being motivated by something epidemious. It's also being motivated by something in the world of the soul. And so that's the principle that the Zara Kaddish writes. Everything, all the, all the masters of halacha, all the masters of Mishnais and Gemara were also masters of, of the secrets of Tyre, and everything they said were always motivated on multiple levels. So let's take a particular halacha that we find in the halachas of Talmud, the halachas of learning and how to educate children and give over Yiddishkeit to the next generation. And we'll see what, uh, that particular, a, p- a piece of that topic in halacha, but then we'll see, the panemis, hopefully we'll try to understand the panemis that's coming out of it, and it's, uh, it'll tell us a lot about Yiddishkeit Bechlal, which is what Shavuos is really about. Okay, so let's begin like this. We know that um, when it comes to, technically speaking, the way, the, way it's, the way it's supposed to be technically is that education, the Torah is supposed to be given over, parents to children, in a family unit, in a family dynamic. That we know. That's the technical mitzvah of Talmud Torah, not just to learn, but to teach and to give it over to one's children. Now we know, and I've spoken about this other, in other occasions, that by the times of the second base of Migdash, Yeshua ben Gamal, one of the, one of the Kahanim Gedolim of the second base of Migdash, saw that, that such a system is not going to, it's not working for everyone, first of all. You have to have parents that know how to teach. You have to have parents that have the, the, you know, the, the, the experience and the, just the resources to do that. It's not for everyone. And so a system of yeshivas was set up that every single city has to have. It's, in order for it to be a, a place that Jewish people live in, it has to have a uh, cheder, it has to have a yeshiva set in order to educate the children of that particular place. But the truth is, even with that being, in, even with that being, in, even with that system in place of of the yeshiva system and so on of uh, mass education, it, it, it's not replacing the family unit and the family dynamic. It's teachers and mowers and so on have to be seen as extensions, as messengers, as emissaries of the parents to educate the children. But ultimately, it still boils down to parents giving over Yiddishkeit to children. Now we're going to see a particular halacha when it comes to the technicalities of a yeshiva system. Again, I'm not going to say this is halacha lamaisa lamaisa nowadays, but just the way the, way the Rambam records it, so to speak. And um, you'll see where the penis comes from. Okay, so let's, let's, let's start learning. So in Marmaka number one, it says a Gemara in Kedushin. It's a Mishnah in Kedushin, in fact. It's all the way at the end of Mestachas Kedushin. It's one short line. The Mishnah says, it's talking about, again, the halachas of this yeshiva system, the yeshiva network that needs to be in place in the Jewish community to, uh, to educate the children. 
So it says, so there's all sorts of rules and regulations. There's uh, rules about how big a classroom has to be, um, what type of person the teacher has to be, how many teachers per student. There's a whole, there's a whole system. So the Mishnah says as follows, One of the stipulations in Halacha is that a single person, a single man, so I'm not single, not married, he should not be teaching young school children. <clears throat> That's the Mishnah in Kedushan. Now the reason for that, as we'll see soon, it's because of Tznias. It's because of Tznias. The assumption is that you're dealing with little kids in yeshiva, mastama, dropping them off, picking them up. Sometimes it's going to be the father, but very often it's going to be the mother. And so it's a little bit not, you know, it's not Tzniasdik for a single man to be the, you know, the one uh, dealing with picking up and dropping off the kids if it's going to be married women coming. That's the, that's the mission in, in, in Kedushan. Okay, now again, the language of the Mishnah is that's someone that's single. The implication being, if he's married, so then it's not a, not a concern. There's, you know, obviously, it's still, they're, they're, even a married person has to be worried about sneers, but in terms of irurim and, and uh, you know, impure thoughts and so on, the eight Sahara, we're not as concerned with a married man. But again, so that's what the Mishnah, the Mishnah says. <clears throat> Now, if you take a look at Marimokah number two, there's a Yushalmi, also Masech Skidushin, on that Mishnah, and the Yushalmi brings down a Brisa teaching of Rabbi Lazar. So the Yushalmi says as follows, Tani, we have a following Brisa, that Rabbi Lazar, Oimer, Rabbi Lazar said, Af even if a person is married, even has children, so he has a family, he's not single, the but the situation is that his wife and his children, let's say, are not in that city that he's teaching. So he happens, so his, you know, his wife and kids and so on, his family is in some other city and he's happening, you know, for Parnassus and so on. He's teaching in a cheder um, outside of his, of his city. That's also something that's inappropriate. So says Rulazar, not only should he be single, but even his wife should be in the same city as he's teaching. And that's, the, that's what it says in, in the Brisa that the Rishalmi quotes. Now, when you just see this face value of the Rishalmi, it would sound like it's a machlaikis, which happens all the time. So the Mishnah has a, an opinion that's recorded, and there's a brisa that brings down a dissenting view. The dissenting view could be more strict and more lenient. So in this case, that's probably what you would think. And as the Mishnah says that the issue is a person that's single shouldn't be teaching, shouldn't be the, the one that the cheder is in his house, you know, if he's a single person. And, but it sounds like if he's married, wherever his wife is, it's not a problem, as long as he's married. Comes the Brysa with the opinion of Belazar, he's more strict. And he says, no, 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 even if he's married, it's not good enough. The wife has to be in the same city as he is when he's teaching. That's, the, that's what you would think, it's a machlaikis. But what's interesting is, is that in the Rambam, the Rambam understood that this is not a machlaikis at all. There's two separate halachas that are being explained over here. The Mishnah is describing one, one halacha in a certain way, and Rabbi Lazar in the Bryce is coming to tell us a different halacha. So I'll explain. Take a look at Maramakah number three. We know the Rambam is always very meticulous with how he records things, but it's also, you always have to pay attention where in his farm is he recording it. So in Maramakah number three, the Rambam quotes the halacha of the Mishnah, and the Rambam places the halacha of the Mishnah in Hilchas Talmud Torah, in the laws of Torah learning, the laws of uh, learning yourself, the laws of teaching, the laws of education. And the Rambam says as follows, Mi isha, someone that's not married, lo should not be the one in charge, he should not be the only person teaching young children, because of, because of the mothers that will come to drop off and pick up the kids, so it's, not, it's a lack of tzniyas if he's a single man. That's the Rambam, that's basically 
the Mishnah in Kedushin, the Ram is recording this. But the Ram is recording this where? In Hilchas Tamatar. Okay. Maramaka number four. Elsewhere, all the way like the other end of Mishnah Torah, in Hilchas Yisurebiyah, Hilchas Yisurebiyah, that's in the context, the Rambam is talking about over there, the Halachas of Tznias. Nothing with Torah, just um, the general Halachas of Tznias, of men and women, of how we're supposed to relate with each other. And over here, the Rambam quotes the opinion of Rabbi Lazar. Okay? So the Rambam says like this, Mi she'en le'isha, first starts off the same. One, a person that's not married, well, Yilma Tanaka should not be, uh, you know, the cheder, he should not be the one, uh, the sole educator in, in the yeshiva for little kids. Again, the same language as he said before. Because the mothers, it's a little bit more lengthy over here. The mothers will come with their children to the yeshiva. And there's a little bit too much interaction, or might be, between this single person and, uh, and the mothers. Now, then the Rambam goes on to say, and says the Rambam now, I'm not saying that his wife literally has to be in the schoolhouse when he's teaching. But if she's at home and he's teaching in that vicinity, in that city, that's good enough. In other words, what the Rambam over here in Hilchasi Surabiya is telling us is not just that he has to be married. The Rambam is saying is that he has to be married she doesn't have to be mamish in the schoolhouse, in other words, but she has to be within the city, within the location. In other words, the Rambam over here is recording the halacha of Rabbi Lazar in the Brisa. So we have a little bit of a contradiction over here. In Hilchas Talmud the Rambam quoted the halacha of the Mishnah, which is very simple and straightforward. If he's single, it's a problem. In Hilchas Yisurubiyah, the Rambam is telling us not just single, the wife has to be in the same city. Not, she doesn't have to be mamish in the same building, but definitely in the same area. So which one is it? So the answer is, it, it, the answer is, is basically rooted in where these halachas are recorded. The first halacha the Rambam mentioned, the halacha of the Mishnah, simple. If he's married, it's, it's okay no matter where the wife is, as long as he's not single. That the Rambam recorded in Hilchas Tamatar, which means that there's two separate uh, uh, two separate, um, um, I guess, you know, uh, levels of sensitivity that we're having over here. In Hilchas Tamatara, that's the laws of what is absolutely necessary in terms of the system of education. The halachas of Tamatara. Tamatara demands certain, certain uh, sensitivities and so on. In Hilchas Tamatara, the Rambam is telling us the qualification in the halachas of learning and teaching is that the educator, the malamed, the mechanech over here, and the basis sefer, should not be single. But if he's married, even then, even wherever his wife is, that's not a problem. But that's in terms of Hilchas Tamatayr. So, for example, if the city, uh, you know, does, does the city, in terms of their responsibility of setting up a proper yeshiva, do they have to spend extra money on hiring someone who's married and his wife is in the city? That we say no. Hilchas Talmatar, in terms of their responsibility of setting up the yeshiva system, all as long as he's married, wherever his wife is, that's fine. And if some teachers are, some other, and you know, uh, if, some, if some people are complaining, you know, his wife is far away, we should hire someone whose wife is here. That's that's already beyond the letter of the law in terms of Hilchas Talmatar, what needs to be. But then there's something else. Then there's the private Hilchas Snias that every single person has to sort of be sensitive to within himself. There's the responsibility of the community to set up a proper yeshiva system. And in that system, so there's, there's rules and regulations. How many kids per class? 
how many uh, how many teachers per grade. These are these are systems. These are structures in place. And part of that is what type of person is allowed to be, you know, in charge running the cheder. So that halach is he has to be married. Okay, that that and that's it. But then we're moving on to a different halach, which is forget community responsibility. Now we're talking about within the person himself. The tzniyas that and the and the the avoid to avoid any things that are not 100% holy within himself, what is a person's own personal responsibility? That's where Hilchasi Surabiya come in. And Hilchasi Surabiya is not talking about the responsibility of the community to set up a proper yeshiva system. Over there it's talking about every private person within themselves, what should their personal standard of Kedusha be? And over there the Rabbim is saying, on a personal level, his st- the standard of Kedusha for, every, for a person should be if he's going to be, uh, you know, a mechanech in a, by, by a cheder for small kids, his personal standard should be that his wife should be in the city. If he doesn't hold himself by such a standard, which is inappropriate for him personally, the yeshiva's not doing anything wrong. Because again, Hilchas Talmatur is setting up the yeshiva system. And the yeshiva system has its basic standard. And once the person is married, the yeshiva system is officially off the hook. They're doing everything technically fine. Now you want to move on to his personal obligation of going extra, the extra mile in Inyane Kedusha? Says the Ramamiyah, in his personal life, and his personal obligation to be as holy as possible, he should be makbid, not only that he's married, but that his wife is in the city. But if he's not makbid on that, he's, vi- he's going against something, a personal halacha, but that's not something the yeshiva should be held responsible for. And this is how the Rambam viewed the Mishnah in Kedushan versus the Brisa that's recorded in Yishami, they're not disagreeing with each other. The Mishnah is telling us something in terms of the halachas of Talmud Torah. That part of the halacha of Talmud Torah, which is what the yeshiva system should look like, the standard that the yeshiva should have in terms of community that, they, that they're responsible to, keep, to upkeep is what? Is that he's, that he's married. Comes Rabbi Lazar in the Brisa that says, true, but in terms of his personal standard of Kedusha for Tznias on his own, personally, he should, every individual person should have a higher standard than that for himself, and not only should he be married, but his wife should be in the city as well. That's, the, that's what you see in the Rambam. Okay, that's the halacha. Fine. But now we have to investigate this a little bit on a deeper level. As I said, from the Zara Kaddish, everything in halacha is, is being motivated by something practical, but also being motivated by something more esoteric. So this, let's, let's, let's focus in on the halacha in Talmud Torah. The Ram, again, based on what the Ramam understood, the Mishnah versus this Brisa of the Yushalmi, it comes out that a part of the halacha of how Torah should be given over to the next generation, it should be done by someone who is part of a couple, of a husband and wife. Now the truth is, in a certain sense, in a certain sense, this is reflective of a, of of what I, what I said in the beginning, which is the basic, the basic idea of how Torah was also, always supposed to be given over, which is parent the child. We know that Chazal tells us, right? That a person's students is on some level considered to be their children. So in a certain sense, if we're thinking about it, you know, a little bit of a, um, you know, in an, uh, beyond literal terms, this halacha that we have in place, which is that as children are being educated by the Rebbe in the Cheder, the Rebbe in the Cheder and Hilchas Talmud Torah, as far as the, the halachas of how Torah is supposed to be given over is concerned, part of that halacha is that he should not be someone that's single, he should be married. What this is reflective of 
is that Torah to be given over to children, it should be given over from a father-mother system. A father-mother system gives Torah over to their children. And so even though we're not talking about literally biological children to a father and a mother, these kids in a classroom and uh, not related biologically to the Rebbe and to his wife, but again, the fact that, child, that, that students are considered to be your children, what's being, what's, what's being conveyed over here is this idea that there's something about Talmud Torah, there's something about Torah, something about Yiddishkeit, that Yiddishkeit in its purest form is something that's given over, not just from a Rebbe to a student, or even just from uh, you know, a father to a son, a father-mother to a son, a father-mother to a child. And that's what's going on over here. So even though, again, practically speaking, the halachic motivation for this is tznias. Is that a single person? We're, not, we're, we're concerned that uh, it might not be so tzniasdik if the mothers drop off the kids constantly every day. But that's in terms of the halachic motivation. The more pneumistic motivation is, is that in Talmud Torah, we want Torah to be given over in, with this family dynamic of husband and wife, a father-mother partnership then together, on some level, giving over Yiddishkeit in that way. So that's what we're going to be investigating now for the next few minutes. What, what, it, what does that mean? What does that tell us about Yiddishkeit? What is so, what is so special? What, is a, what does that relationship between father and mother mean in terms of the Messir Satur, in terms of giving over Yiddishkeit to the next generation? Why is it necessary for it to be given over with that mindset of a father and mother as opposed to just a, a Rebbe educating kids? So that's what we're going to do. You follow? Everyone's good? So far? Okay. All right, so take a look at Marmokka number five. Now we're going to just, just dive in, okay? We're just going to dive in to uh, particularly Ratzadik. We're going to see where Ratzadik takes us. Okay. Ratzadik is going to first define for us over here. This is in, in Divert Tzadik. It's the first uh, page, the first piece in uh, Sefer Divert Tzadik. Okay, so Ratzadik is going to be defining for us what does, again, everything in the world... Everything in the world is, is all multi-layered. So in this world, there's such a thing as a father and a mother. So everything has parents, right? But what does it mean in Pneumis? What does a father and mother mean in Pneumis? So take a look at, at, at what he says in Marmach number 5. First he quotes a Gemara. There's a Gemara in Brachas and Daflam and Hayamabes. It's a fantastic Gemara. The Gemara is quoting Psukim. There's a number of Psukim in, 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 uh, in Mishle and so on that talk about always listening to the ethics of your father and the Torah of your mother, father and mother. So the Sigmar says like this, Aviv HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Imai Knesset Yisrael. So the Gemara says that the term father and mother doesn't always just mean physically father and mother. Father means, is a reference to the root, of, uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu can be called a father, and Knesset Yisrael can be called a mother. What, what does that mean? So Tzadik explains. V'yidua. So he explains, then we know. We know the Pasuk says that what is a Jew? What is a Jew? In its very essence, right? So we know that, you know, when it comes to Shavuos, the Rabbana Shalom gave us the Torah, but you have to have, you have to have the Jewish people to receive the Torah. So what is the defining factor of a Jew? So we know that Chazal already tell us that every single Jew deep down, this is true with all reality, but by a Jewish person it's particularly pronounced, that every single yid is a chelak alakami ma'amam, which is a piece of the divine presence. There's an aspect of godliness that's enlivening, that's the heart of a Jew, that's in the, the very essence of who we are, is a piece of the divine. V'yidua, so it says her tzaddik, ki chelak Hashem amay, 
that the, the, the portion of Hashem is His people. <laughs> you know that the soul of a Jew, deep down, its essence is a piece of the divine. As the Pasuk says, I am Hashem and I dwell with them. With them doesn't just mean around them, amongst them, it means within them. This is the piece of the Yisrael that resides and is ultimately the root of our kidneys and of our instincts and the heart of a Jew and the very essence of who we are is a piece of the Divine Presence. And says Ratzadik, you should know a klal. Whenever you find in Chazal the term, the word Shechina, which means the Divine Presence, it's always a reference to Hashem, the Shechina. But sometimes we call Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and sometimes we call Hashem the Shechina. What's the difference between those two terms? So says Ratzadik, the word Shechina is a description of that aspect of Hashem, Kviyachal, that resides within the Jewish people. That resides within the Jewish people. As the Gemara tells us, for example, Gemara says, when uh, the Jewish people are exiled to Bavel, the Divine Presence is with them. So what does it mean? Hashem is with us. What does it mean? Shechina is always a, always a word that's used to describe Hashem whenever He's not in His proper place. Or whenever He's not, you know, not necessarily a bad place. You know, but whenever, whenever, whenever you're describing the Rebbeinu's presence in our world, in our finite, small, structured, time-based world, whenever the Rebbeinu is being described within our domain, it's always with the word Shechina. It's with the word Shechina because that's what the Shechina means. The Shechina means Hashem's presence as He resides within us. You know, He's going to explain further. Because that's what the Shechina means. The Shechina means the Rabbani Shlolem's reality as he exists within the heart of the Jewish people forever. And he quotes another piece of Chazal, and the way he touches it is most fantastic. Chazal say, right? We know, for example, Chazal say that the Shechina never left the Kaisal, right? The Western world, the Rabbani Shlolem is always there. The Shechina is always there. So it doesn't, so first of all, so it says Ratzavik, again, on a simple level, means that place on earth is a place that's pulsating with God's presence more than other places, and that's true. But it says Ratzavik, but the word Shechina, again, on a deeper level, Shechina always is a reference to the divine presence in the Jewish heart, which means that when we talk about that place that's called a Kaisel, for example, it's not just that physical place. That place, you have to see it as a reflection of some aspect of the Jewish soul, which is called a Kaisel. And the Shechina is in the the Shechina is by the Kaisel. So what does it mean, the Kaisel within the soul, right? Because that place that's called the physical Kaisel, that's a real place, and the divine presence is there. But that's only, but it's just a reflection of some aspect of the Jewish soul that's called the Kaisel that the Shechina is there, because that's what the Shechina means. The Shechina really, in its in its truest uh, terminology, means Hashem's presence as it resides in the Jewish soul. And so we talk about the Shechina by the Kaisel. That just must mean another reference point to the Jewish soul that has the Shechin within it. So what does it mean, the Kaisel in the soul? So he says, First of all, it's the Western wall, right? West is when the sun, that's where the sun sets. So the Kaisel automatically is going to be referencing a part of the, of the, of the, of the human experience which is far from sunrise much more inclined to darkness. V'lifnais Erev, Eis Chayshech, it's a time of darkness, a time of sunset. And even at that time, Hashchina Leizazah. The Shechina does not leave a Jew even when they're holding by 
a kaisal maravi, when they're holding by a place of where, of where it's it's the western the western wall of their lives. He says, because every single Jew is bound up to God's presence. And so the Kaisal Maravi means, Ratzalik goes on to explain, I didn't bring this down because it got a little complicated, but Ratzalik goes on to say that a Kaisal, what's, what's a, a Kaisal is a wall, a wall that you lean on, a wall that you can support yourself on. It says Ratzalik, the Kaisal Maravi means that, the, that even when a person finds themselves in a Mairav, in a Western you know, situation where the sun is setting and still they have the strength to be able to rely on something, to lean on something and say, you know, everything else is falling apart, but at least this I have. It's like what the Pasuk says, like Chazal say, when Shlom HaMelech, there's a whole mysterious episode that Shlom HaMelech was actually exiled from his kingdom. He was replaced. It's a whole crazy mice in Chazal. But Chazal said that he was in exile and all he had was his like walking stick and a little bucket, that's like all he had from his entire malchus. And he said, right? All I have is a little walking stick and a bucket. Hey, I'm in complete comfort. The Rabbanu is taking care of me. That was his kaisal maravi. His kaisal maravi was, everything else in his life fell apart, but at least something he's able to hold on to. So it's just like, where does a Jew get the strength to be able to, that all you have is a kaisal maravi and you can be satisfied? And you could say a kabbalah You could thank thank Hashem and be happy, even when everything falls apart. And all you have left is just a walking stick. And still, somehow, you feel supported by that. That's because the shechina never left the kaisal marav. That's what it means. The shechina never leaving the kaisal marav means that that part of the soul, which is coming, which is saturated with which which is God Himself kaviyachol. That's that's what gives. That's your ultimate support. And everything in life that we're that we could physically, you know, that, that we, can, we can rely on, when everything else falls apart, it might seem like it's a walking stick, but it's not. It's just an expression of the Shekhinah in your life. And that's what ultimately gives a Jew a sense of, of, of footing, you know, a sense of a ground under your feet is the fact that the, the, the Shekhinah is what's holding up my Kaisal Maravi. And so whatever your Kaisal Maravi is, again, for Shalim Melech, it was his walking stick. For other people, it's, it's something else. But whatever your Kaisal Maravi is, you should know that really that's just an expression of the Shekhinah in your life. So that's what Shekhinah means. So the Shekhinah means the Rabbanu Shalim, but the Rabbanu Shalim, as, he's, as he fits, as he constricted himself to be your heart and to be your Kaisal Maravi. That's what the Shekhinah means. Vahayna. <clears throat> so what says, but that's all the Shekhinah. Then there's another term, which is HaKadosh Baruch so obviously there's only one God, right? But these are but there are multiple aspects of God's presence. So there's one level of God's presence which he at which as he's able to be experienced by us. How is he experienced by us? So sometimes it's with the Kaisal Maravi, sometimes it's with bigger things. But the Shechina means the, the, the an aspect of godliness that we're able to experience. And then you have an aspect of godliness which is called Hakadosh Baruch Hu. What does Hakadosh Baruch Hu mean? God in his infinite, in his infinite place, where the Rabbanu Shalom is completely unknown and completely beyond any way to any conceptualization. Take a look. So the next paragraph, Tzadik Zvayinu, Ki is the truth is, Etzem Ar Hashem, this is all the Shechina, but when you want to define exactly the essence of God's light and who the Rabbanu Shalom is in his essence, in terms of Kiviachal, HaKadosh Baruch so it's Godl Ma'id, that's very, very great. And the Rabbanish Lalom in his uh, without without 
constricting himself as the Shechina, the Rabbanishim is impossible to be masik, to understand and to relate to. Kamashakasa has a Pasik says, that no human being can see me and live. And this description of the Rabbani Shlalem, when he's not being constricted, or that side of him that's not constricted, to be experienced as the Shechina, that's called HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's called HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why? The, blessed, the, the Holy One blessed is He. So He says, Hayros Kedusha, the word HaKadosh, or Kedusha, Bekal Maka means Havdala. Kadosh means, literally the word Kadosh means something that's separate, something that's unknown, something that's beyond. Shu Nivdal Adam, which is, which is beyond the human being. This is the side of Hashem's light, which is not able to be, which is not constricted to a Jewish heart. That's not the Kaisal, it's not the Shechina. We're talking about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So fine. So now you have these two these two expressions of Hashem's light. You have Kviyachal, Hashem's light in its more purest form, which is unknowable. That's called the Kadesh Baruch Hu. And then you have Kviyachal, the Rabbanu Shalom's light, as he's willing to constrict himself to make himself known and experienced by us. It says Ratzadik, so that's how the Rabbanu Shalom made the system. But the Rabbanu Shalom is not satisfied with that. But the, what, so what is the purpose of our, of, our, of our lives? What's the purpose of mitzvahs? So this is what, this is what, this is what basic Yiddishkeit is. It says what it's like, the purpose of Yiddishkeit is L'shem yichud What does it mean, L'shem yichud That's right, we say before you do a mitzvah. To, I'm doing this mitzvah to unify HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shechina, which means that there is, says Ratzadik, the way to think of it is that whatever the Shechina is in your life, you, you, there, what the Rabbanu wants of you is to develop that Shechina, to grow that Shechina, to bring more of the unknown light of Hashem into your life to expand your ability to perceive Him. The Rabbanu wants the Shechina to grow. The Rabbanu wants more of Himself to be known and to be perceived. Take a look at how Ratzalik puts it. He says like this, So what is the Ratzal of Hashem? The Rabbanu Shalom wants us to understand more, to perceive more. That whatever, whatever level of the Shechina is in your life, you know, that the Rabbanu Shalom created for you when you were you know, just as is, your purpose in Avadis Hashem is to expand that Shechina, is to bring more, to, to, to bring more of that unknown light into your known, to become known, to expand the territory of the Shechina. That's the idea. To bring together more and more HaKadosh Baruch Hu with the Shechina. That more and more as you grow in your Yiddishkeit and your mitzvahs and your learning, davening, v'chulu v'chulu, then all of a sudden what was until now HaKadosh Baruch Hu now actually becomes more Shechina. And then there's more HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which becomes more Shechina. And there's this constant cycle of what? Of what was until now unknown, becoming known, and then what was not even unknown, it was a bachlal, uh, didn't know existed, becomes unknown, and then that becomes known, and there's this constant fueling, there's this constant union, fusion between what was until now Kaddish Baruch Hu, becomes the Shechina, and then there's a deeper level of Kaddish Baruch Hu, and that's how the cycle goes, and that is the purpose of Yudah, that's, that's every mitzvah that we do, is for that purpose, the Ritzalik explains, Again, wants us to understand, to be masik, to experience his light, 
on a, on a level that's beyond just the status that he created us with. So but there, and the Rabbani Shalom therefore created this process, this Indian that's called the Shechina, which is a which is a, a constricted light of Hashem Yisbarach. Not in a strong, overwhelming way. That's the light of the Shechina. In the hearts of every Jew. Now the goes back to talk about father and mother. When we talk about father and mother in Chazal, in a deeper sense, it is also a reference, it's a synonymous terminology between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. So which means that, let's go back to, to the first line in the beginning of Maramaka number five, right? So he quoted a Gemara in Brachas. The Gemara said, Aviv is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Imai is Knesset Yisrael. And the, so in other words, Father means a reference to what? To HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to that light of Hashem, which is unknown, beyond your kalim, beyond your, your heart to perceive at the present moment. And a mother, the mother means what? The light of Hashem as it resides in your heart. As we, which is understood, which is relatable. This is why, again, in the classic sense, uh, when uh, children that are very, very little, for sure, things might change as they get older, whatever, but children that are very, very little feel closer to their mothers than they do their fathers. That's the nature. Even, even the, the Pasik says that, you know, uh, right? because it's more natural for a child to feel a little bit more, more comfortable with the mother than it is with the father. So why is that? Because and on a deeper level, that's not, I mean, we understand why that is practically, because the mother's taking care of the kid at home, and the mother is more nurturing by nature than the father. The father's also taking care of everything, but a little bit more from a distance, right? But, the, but, but in Pneumius, this is reflective of this deeper truth, which is that every father-mother relationship is on some level a reflection of these two sides of HaKadosh Baruch Hu with the Shekhinah. And the Shekhinah is that light of Hashem that's, that resides within your heart, that is your Kaisal Maravi. That's, that's a Nechama, that's a comfort, that's a, that's a motherly experience. Whereas a father, that's... It's ultimately the fuel where it's the source where, every, where the Shekhinah is coming from as well. It's all coming from that light that exists in its place, so to speak, which is unknown. But Lamai said it's unknown, and because of that, that's called the Father. <clears throat> so now it goes on to say, V'yine, next paragraph. Kol Whenever you do a mitzvah, again, the purpose of mitzvahs is what? Is to bring together, to fuse together the light of the Father with the light of the Mother. The whole purpose of mitzvahs is what? Is to is to expand the territory of the Shekhinah, to bring more HaKadosh Baruch Hu into the system, expanding the Shekhinah to become greater. And v'chul v'chul, the cycle continues. Every mitzvah, every davening, every learning, it's all about that. But says Ritzadik, therefore though, in order for a mitzvah to be truly activated and to, in its truest form, in its truest sense, it, it, it's dependent on the person doing a mitzvah with the realization that that it's not me. See, when a person does a mitzvah, if they're thinking, like, what's a person putting out tefillin or lighting Shabbos candles, whatever the mitzvah is, if they're thinking, this is mamash me, I am deciding to take this physical pure tefillin and to wrap it on my arm. Why am I doing this? I don't know. Uh, peer pressure. I'm doing this because I don't want to go to hell. I'm doing this maybe because I want to get rewarded in the next world with it. Whatever the motivation is. But if it's me, if I am the one that is deciding, and I am the one that's performing this act, then guess what? Then that act is very human, 
and it's very limited, and it loses its potency in terms of what a mitzvah is. What is a mitzvah? A mitzvah is an act that the Rabbana Shalom reveals to us that's, a re- that's really an interaction between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. That's what a mitzvah really is. It's just that for, for, that, for, that, inter- for that yichud, for that union to take place, it, it, it depends on us as human beings to create an environment that, that, it, that is, that is uh, uh, you know, that's, that's in congruence with that yichud. To create an environment that allows that yichud to be manifest. But what are you? But you're not the one doing the mitzvah. The power of the mitzvah is is in truth something that's happening through you. But who are you? In in a certain sense, you're you're passive, and you're just you're just uh, you're just uh, uh, you know sort of like on the journey that the mitzvah is taking you on. You're not putting tefillin on. Tefillin is putting you on. You know what I'm saying? That, that it, it's tefillin for this yichud to take place. It depends on you making that decision to put on tefillin. But that decision to put on tefillin, when you make that decision, then what's happening? Something inside of me that's much deeper than I could even imagine. My kaisel marav, my the shchin inside of me is uniting with its root and, and its source and expanding. That's I don't want to get in the way of that. I have to. Th- th- this is the idea of having bittel, of having humility and submissiveness to mitzvahs themselves. Mitzvahs that you're doing, but for them to really be defined as a true mitzvah, as a mitzvah which what, which is about uniting this kayach of of Hakadosh Baruch Hu and the Shechina, of 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 ish the ishtai, of aviv the imai, it demands a person doing the mitzvah with a sense of humility and a sense of bittel. Take a look at what says. The Nikol mitzvahs, every single mitzvah that we do, who aidei chelak chayim hashoichin b'tzichenu. It's really the, the power of the mitzvah and what the, what's defining this act as a mitzvah, as opposed to just being another physical act that we're doing, what's really, con, con, you know, what's defining it as a mitzvah is the shechin inside of us. And that, that act is now defined as an act of the HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the light of the shechina uniting with each other. We're serving the Rebbe through that, but, it's, but what defines it as a mitzvah is the fact that, we're, that we have a chelik of the Mamish inside of us. The tachas of mitzvahs is what? Is, to, some, is to, to perform these acts and so on to increase the, the, the known side of Hashem, to increase the power of the Shechina. That's the point. To the point of where the Shechina and that part of me, which is a divine presence, is exploding out. That's, that's what the purpose of mitzvahs are. And that's why the Rabbanu Shalom gave us mitzvahs. That the Rabbanu Shalom in his infinite wisdom has determined and decided that al yadam, that through these acts, the, 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 the human being, the Jew, will become more refined and more able to, the, the, and the Shekhinah inside of him and her will be able to receive more of that infinite light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what mitzvahs are. The Yisru HaMaskim HaMavdilim and the Mechitzes, the dividing lines between the Shekhinah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be removed. Till that part of us that's called the Shekhinah, the Kaisam Ravi, will be expanded and the Beis Hamidish will be fully rebuilt. 
within ourselves. To a point where there's another another brick in that base of the Mikdash, right? Another element of the Shekhinah is more built in your life. With every single mitzvah that we do. And so on and so forth. And this is what's happening over here. It's the Kviyacha of the Imai being united in order to produce what? To produce uh, an experience of godliness. That's what's going on over here. Now, let's go back to how we started. Now that we have this clear definition of what Yiddishkeit is, right, and what Yiddishkeit, what the purpose of Yiddishkeit is, so we started in the beginning with the halacha and Hilchas Tamata, the Ramah told us, is that even in halacha lamaisa, the way the yeshiva system is set up in halacha, is that the way Yiddishkeit has to be given over is that what? It's between a husband and wife, between these two forces of masculine and feminine, right? And them together are giving over Yiddishkeit to children. That's the way it is. That picture is exactly everything we're talking about. Because what does it mean, what does it mean to perform mitzvahs like a child? Because again, we're, think, we're, we're, we're moving beyond just that actual scene of kids in, in yeshiva. We're talking about what this tells us about Yiddishkeit Bechlal. Take a look at the final Marmok, Marmok number six. This is from our tzaddik in Sefer Lukutim Ammarim. So he quotes the Gemara of Avodah The Gemara tells us on Daf Gimel Mebeis, Shakadish Baruch Hu Yoshev B'Kol Yom. Listen to the words: Hakadosh Baruch Hu Yoshev B'Kol Yom. Hakadosh Baruch Hu sits every single day. Sitting, by the way, is also a code word, always a code word in Chazal for the Shechina. The Shechina means to reside, means to lower. When you're standing, it means you're tall. When you sit. All of a sudden, you get, you get lower. So the Shechina, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sitting, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sitting, what does that mean? Like, uh, Hashem is not physical. So what does it mean, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sits? The answer is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sitting means that there's a Yichud taking place. That what was until now unknown, what was until now called HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is all of a sudden residing. It's all of a sudden lowering. It's all of a sudden becoming an increased level of Shechina, which is what every mitzvah is supposed to be, is supposed to be doing. So the Gemara is telling us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yoyeshev B'Kol Yoyim, the Rabbani Shalom sits, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sits every single day, Umulami Torli Tinaikish Tavis and teaches Torah to school children. That's what the Gemara says, and in Gan Eden, the Rabbani Shalom teaches school children. But this is a description, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sitting and teaching school children, which means, says Ratzadik, this is a scene that defines for us how misses have to be performed. Tinaikish Tavis what is the, what is the, what is the definition of learning Torah like a school child. So it says Ratzadik, Heim Hanikroim Hamakirim Vayoidim Sheinla Miatzmam Rak Mashem Mekabim Rabim. See, kids can be in the in the playground. You know what I'm saying? Kids can be all full of themselves, macho. You'll have the kid that's the head of the the playground. But the nature of children is when they're sitting in class is that they they know they know that they don't have any control. They're not in control. They don't have any information. All they know is from what their Rebbe tells them. See, not so with an older kid, right? An older kid, they have this, they, they can read, they can so on, they can study on their own. Uh, maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, maybe the Rebbe comes and, and guides them, but they're doing it on their own. Mamish, school children, little kids, can't learn on their own. All they have is what they receive. So what does it mean? So let's go back to that, that image that, that the Gemara tells us in Ava the Zara. Of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and teaching Tinekesh of Yisrael. Says Ratzadik, that's summing up what Yiddishkeit is. If you want your mitzvahs, 
your Torah, your davening, your mitzvahs, to be HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yayshev, the Rabbanu Shalom sitting, in other words, this fusion between Aviv V'imai, this fusion between Ish V'ishtai, this fusion between the unknown to the known, expanding the domain of one's Shechina, which is really what a mitzvah is, then you can't get in the way. Then you can't think of the mitzvah as something that you're in control of. If you see yourself in terms of your Avodah Hashem, of your mitzvahs, as a school child, which is, that I, it's not me. Of course, it's, I mean, I have to be the one to put on tefillin, but I recognize that when I put on tefillin, it's not me. I'm just allowing this thing, this reality to happen through me. Just like a kid in, in, in class, the kid knows, I'm not in control, this is not me, I'm just going to repeat what my Rebbe says. When, you're, when a person has the mindset of in yeshiva, in terms of, their, their, of Yiddishkeit, if you look at Yiddishkeit in that way, then what? Then that, that mitzvah is now redefined, instead of it being just a human act, that you'll get reward for. But now becomes... In a, an act that's really happening between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shechina. It's really something that's happening between Ava V'imai. It's happening between Ish V'ishtai. And this is the panemius of this halacha. That's why in Hilchas Tamatar it's defined for us. That Hilchas Tamatar dictates that children have to be taught in yeshiva by Davka someone who's not just a single person on his own. It's with a partnership of him and his wife. Because this, this structure of what? Of children being taught in yeshiva by a couple between a husband and wife, in other words, and, and, and symbolically speaking, the children in, in yeshiva being the, sort of the, the, the children of this couple, what's being conveyed over here is an image. It's, it, this is the branding of what Yiddishkeit is. And, that's, and it's always like this, that you always have to get it right in the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, like the Gemara says that Gersa Diankasa, if you, if you misunderstood something when you're little, it's going to take a long time to get that out of your head. So right away when, when kids are little and we're giving over Yiddishkeit, we want to give it over with this package. Where what? It's in this way, where the purpose of the mitzvah is really about uniting those forces that's called father and mother. Uniting those forces which is called masculine and feminine. Unite those forces, which are called husband and wife. And the way to unite those forces is through the child. It's through performing mitzvahs with a childlike mentality. When you perform mitzvahs as a childlike mentality, then the mitzvah itself is unifying those forces that's called father and mother. So that scene in Hilchus Tamatara, which defines for us what this structure should look like in a cheder, which is a couple united on some level in educating children, that's all of Yiddishkeit. That's all of Yiddishkeit, and that's why we're that's that's what's motivating this halacha in terms of pinimis. And so this redefines for us what Yiddishkeit is about. Again, it's about performing mitzvahs. But like we, like in a couple of days from now, you know, we're going to stand and we're going to say nasvanishma, whether we realize it or not, right? So we're going to say nasvanishma. What does nasvanishma mean? Everyone asks. Like no, I, I will do and I will hear. So so how could you how could you do before you hear about it? The answer is, of course, you can't do before you hear about it. You know, I, I, I can't do mitzvahs unless I know what, they're, what they are. But what's being conveyed by Nasev and Ishma is, is that even when I'm doing it, it's not me. It's it, it, Nasev and Ishma. There's a part of me which is like in control. That's the Nishma part. And, but in terms of the mitzvahs, it's Nasev. It, it, I'll do it. It's, it's just happening. It's the Jewish people establishing themselves for all time with the right mindset of like, we are school children when it comes to mitzvahs. Of course it's me, I have to make the right decisions to do the mitzvah, but, 
But once I make that decision to put on the tefillin, to light the Shabbos candle, to open the safer, to open the tilm, whatever the case may be, then I step back and I'm just repeating what my Rebbe says. I'm just, I'm just allowing this to happen. And it's that union of other the imay, of ish ishtai, of the cheder Rebbe with his wife, that's, th- and, and th- that's really what Yiddishkeit is about. And you need the children, the school children mentality to allow that yichat to take place. And that's not the that's what Shavu says. No, so Hashem should help us. We should appreciate that gift that the Bunshim gave us. Mamish, a piece of himself, and he made us. See, see, you might, you might sound like this whole, this whole concept takes away from our, you know, um, from our sense of like control or whatever. But the, maybe that's a good thing. But but the truth is, it, it's I think it's very empowering because all of a sudden, like if you if it's really all you, then how how much how much power do you really have then? But if but if I am acting as as uh, in a childlike way, I'm, I'm facilitating this union and this yichud to take place between other v'imoy, and you can't have other v'imoy without a child, right? That's just the way it is. So the child's there to function, to allow that yichud to take place. Then that yichud is much bigger than anything this kid on his own could have done. So that that that's that that's I, I think that's a much more powerful yiddishkeit than anything else. And that's why the Rabbanu Shalom, when he heard us say Nasav Nishma, Hashem said, "Wow, who migil raz elabanai that raz shemalachi asharis mishdamshem by that secret, that way of thinking, malachim have that mentality. Why?" Because Malachim don't have an ego like that. Malachim are just messengers. They, of course, a Malach, of course, sees himself as just you know, a conduit for something bigger acting through him, and that's exactly what Nasim and Ishma is saying. But the greatness of a human being, the greatness of a Jew over a Malach, is that a Malach, the 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 the, the nullification, the 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 transparency of a Malach isn't creating any deep unity. Rabbanish wants to do something, and it goes through a malach. It's just part of, it's just a cog. But what, by the Jewish people, when we are consciously, when we make ourselves transparent for the Rabbanish Shalom, then something much greater is actually happening through us. And that, that's, that's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. So Hashem should bless us. Shazachat to stand by our Sinai. You see the Torah, Nasev Nishma, know what we're doing. And let go of uh, of all uh, of all our power, you know, and that will be very powerful. All right, shkayach. <laughs>